and welcome to the Blackcast. Yes, I'm Christian Blatt here for what is one of our increasingly rare audio-only episodes. But I'm actually very excited to get this chance to share with each and every one of you out there in Blackcast Nation what uh, was a really fun, a great conversation I had with musician Mike Tramp. Now, Mike Tramp is probably best known for his late 80s band White Lion, but as you'll hear from this conversation, he's so much more than just that one band career-wise. He's so thoughtful about music, fame, this world we live in, these crazy circumstances, these times we live in. Uh, I was scheduled to chat with him for 30 minutes, and as you can see by the running time of this very episode, in true Black Cast fashion, we ended up talking for 90 minutes, and in all honesty, this episode actually could have been a few minutes longer. The reason this is audio only is because Mike is in Denmark, and we needed to do it over Skype. And I know you can do video on Skype, but from Denmark, we weren't going to do any video. So this is not how I usually do it, and uh, I was just going to let him know. I'm like, hey, I uh, just want you to know we're going to start recording right now. But it seems silly. That's kind of like an old radio thing. You know, you're supposed to let someone know you're recording a conversation. But they're calling you because they're doing an interview. So they know they're going to be recording. But every once in a while, you get something where somebody's like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, you were recording when I said that? We, we, we got to take that out. And that doesn't, that doesn't happen on the podcast. That happened on other things. But anyway, so we were just making conversation. We just right out of the gate, he started talking to me and it was great. It was fun. We were chatting and I'm like, Oh wait, this is the interview. <laughs> I better hit record dummy. So as I now welcome to each and every one of you, our guest, Mike Tramp, he's got this new album second time around. Let me bring you up to speed for what I didn't record. So we started talking about how I live in Burbank California, and it's famously known as the home of the Tonight Show, and I mentioned that it was referenced on this much older show, Laughing. You know, meanwhile, in beautiful downtown Burbank, you know, I referenced that, and he's like, "Yeah, exactly." He knew he knew that too, but I explained that the Tonight Show is actually not in Burbank anymore. Neither is Laughing, but that's more because it hasn't been on the air in fifty years. But I digress. So Jimmy Fallon does a Tonight Show from New York. Most people know that, but you know, a guy lives in Denmark. Why would he know that? So that led to me talking about how I was a page at NBC. And uh, he said, oh, does that mean you were like Kenneth on 30 Rock? And I'm like, yes, exactly. I'm so appreciative of that show because it makes it so people understand what that job was and how ugly the uniform was. So we get around to the fact where he's had success in his career in Denmark. But when he finally came to America in 1982, that was his dream come true. It wasn't so much about rock and roll coming true. It was just about everything that I loved about, you know, how how I felt life should be and how people should exist, things like that. Yeah. A good balance, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, of course, uh, things have changed. But 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 sort of the way like you're talking about how how NBC would portray it is is a similar about how people used to work for Disney. It's kind of like you know like futuristic, kind of like like a you know a little overdone where you where you know they have to take it to the to the maximum of of how they're you know they're presenting this and so on. So you know the tours and things like that. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's all it was all about in the the presentation. I mean, we all had to look the same. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, even even now, like, you know, you go to Disneyland, they all have the everybody has a name tag, even if you're, you know, I mean, not if you work in the Disney studio, you know, you're like an executive, but uh, everybody that works in the theme park, it's just more like they've got the uniform, they've got the name tag. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's why when I worked at NBC, we had that, you know, just sort of like, you know, that that's a person that's going to be able to answer your question or, you know, maybe uh, if you needed some help on a show, just, oh, yeah, can you get me this? You know, so I think maybe what I was just hinting at is that it's like a light version of a cult. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that is the behavior and things like that. It's like it's almost like there's a. There's a secret that's that that's like like you know like that you're sort of covering over you know of course there isn't but it's just sort of the way it it just feels at times you know yeah no 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 exactly I mean there there is sort of it, it's uh, what is that it's like the uh, children of the corn or like village yeah. of the damned you know everybody's sort of they've got that glazed over look I don't know how I came up with this just when there was just something that 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 awoken you know my thoughts when you were saying this thing about that that it's it's like okay well you know no you can't do this or or you can't do this and you can't expose that that they're already from the beginning it's like but what the fuck are you hiding is there something inside (laughs) Mickey Mouse or something like that you know yeah well and I think that that's kind of the thing is there's uh you know I mean there's uh, there is something that they're hiding. I mean people who worked for for Disney I mean were not particularly complimentary. I mean I read this in a book. This is what uh, what people said that people who actually worked there they called it Mauschwitz. You know I mean obviously you know making a a, a play on on the uh, the concentration camp because people they worked for Disney but they yeah. hated it. You know. Yeah. 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 So, um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I think that, uh, I, I guess when you get to be a company of that size, I mean, uh, it's, uh, it, it works for you. And I guess people who don't fall in line, get fired, you know, it's like, if you don't want to, you know, you look that way, but you know, when I was at page at NBC, which is what we were talking about before, I mean, you, you wear that uniform and stuff, but you get to work on the shows for like 10 weeks or something, you know? So like, you know, you could be outside the the studio for like, I did it for Saturday night live. I knew people that did it for other shows. So I would just be around and, uh, that that's really what the uniform was for, for like people who actually worked on the shows, whether it be cast or producers be like, that's somebody who's going to, you know, run and make a, make a Xerox photocopy of this for me. This is somebody who's going to run and get coffee for 10 people you know that was almost like you were there to you were there to serve basically it's almost more like a flight attendant just you're not in the air you know yeah 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 well i mean i i I think just that you know the the state of the world right now is it just seems like it's unleashing and uncovering a lot of things that hasn't been able to be uncovered before um and and it just seems like right now the world is open for you to sort of like slide through the fence and and almost expose something that shouldn't be exposed i mean i don't know something people talk about roswell or, or aliens and sure all these different things are coming up that you know uh, you know i'm getting you know a lot of like links to um i'm not a big social media person first of all uh uh, I don't need, I, you know, um, I use the internet for, for my, but I'm not really a Facebook guy at all. My Facebook is a modern 
modern website, um, you know, that are basically used only to to post news about my music and my tours and stuff. Again, actually, for for the last, you know, maybe two months, I've kind of been almost absent from it to give sort of it a break. Uh, I almost feel like people went into overload about how many, you know, people had to show how they were dealing with the home and, and, and how they were making breakfast and every rock star was doing this and this and this. And in the past, you couldn't get them to answer the phone and suddenly, you know, they're willing to show, you know, you know, how, how, how they are at home or candid, you know, or without makeup or without their hair done and stuff like that. And I don't really, I don't really know if, 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 if that's needed, I don't really think that it, 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 it helped anything going on in the world. I think, you know, I just think like it's, it looked like a sound like desperation. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's there's that level to it. But I, I think that I guess you have, you know, depends on what kind of public figure you are. There are a lot of people that feel like their their fans kind of want to know them more. So they need to be, you know, on display, especially if you're if you're someone who's on television. But, you know, I mean, when you have like a, a huge mega pop star, you know, like Taylor Swift, like the people they want to know, like, what kind of salad dressing did she have today? Did she drink a Diet Coke? Did she have water? You know, I mean, it, it, so I think that sometimes you feel like, well, you should feed into that a little bit. But then if you're casually a fan of someone, you know, you're like, what, what, what do I care what Sebastian Bach had for breakfast? You know? Yeah. yeah also, also because. And this is also one of those things. Um, suddenly, people are exposed because they grabbed someone's ass thirty-five years ago, and and before that, the person happened to be one of the greatest actors in the world. And the next day, the person is fired from the show. And you know, that's that's something the person did, and and should be handled in a different way. But the person does not become a less of an actor for me because I'm only really interested in watching the job he does or she does. Sure. And, and you know what, regardless of what religion the person follows, what they have done in the childhood and stuff like that, you can say, you know, I mean, that's a different story. It's, I mean, you know, I mean, to a certain degree, but so I just think like, I don't want to know all this thing about that. You know, to me, Clint Eastwood is Clint Eastwood. And, and you know, it's just, it's just, it's just what he does is what, is what I like, you know, and, and I don't really care if he's been married 50 times and have, you know, things like that. You know, I like when he does a movie and I like when he plays a role and, and he gives me what I want. And when I want to hear Neil Young, you know, I don't really want to necessarily hear all the baggage that comes along with that whole package. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, if you, uh, you know, somebody goes to see, you know, Bruce Springsteen play a four hour concert, they're like, yeah, I, I came to hear, you know, whatever, 30 songs. I, I don't know that I needed to, you know, what he thinks about our policy in the Middle East. That's not necessarily why I'm there. You have people that are really into that. But yeah. I, I think that, uh, you know, I think sometimes being celebrity with like a capital C, it feeds into this idea that you uh, that your your voice matters and i think you know, look that's great when somebody's doing like a charity and you know you know being yeah. able to capitalize on it uh but then it's like uh, you know i mean 
what do people remember uh, about Sting other than that he's a great musician? Like you think about, oh yeah, the rainforests. Man, he was always talking about the rainforests, which I think raised awareness of it. But if I went to see Sting in concert and he's talking about the rainforest for three minutes, I'm like, so are we going to hear Roxanne or you know, are we gonna are we gonna hear one of the songs I came to see? Well, it's they're, they're great points, and it's it's usually not the kind of things that I get a chance to talk about. But now sure. that I'm, you know, now you know that I'm. I'm I'm 59 years old. I have, you know, 32 albums. It's 33 years ago the Pride album came out and things like that. I I have, you know, I like to discuss at times different things because you know, now looking back, you know, there there's a lot of doors that opens to things that happened and and why it happened. Of course it happened because that's the way things were then. You know, it's not necessarily that that you could have prevented it because at that time you knew as much as you knew, and now you know everything more, you know, and 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 it is exactly like that. And here, here's an interest, not interesting, but just for the fuck of it, um, because White Lion had gotten signed to Elektra Records in 1984. We had gone to Germany in January, February to record our first album, Fight to Survive, and came back to America, and and. Uh, I mean, this is 1984, so it is, it is like almost the peak of the 80s. I mean, it is just exploding there. So record companies and every, the energy was just on fire. So there was a lot of, of interest in everything. And, and, and our managers somehow fairly easy got a massive record deal with Electro Records. Um, Electro Records already had the... Um, uh, Motley Crue and 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 Dawkins and Metallica and stuff like that. And um, I remember when 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 we met with the big press person first time, and then you know she was listening to all of us. He says, "Oh, okay. Well, you're the one when we need you know to do Discovery Channel. It's not what she says because there wasn't Discovery Channel. But you know, I couldn't answer shortly. I w- I wasn't really." I wasn't really, you know, the David E. Roth, like quick answers that didn't really answer the question. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's it, it's yeah. sort of like, you know, David Lee Roth is a perfect example of kind of like the, the modern politician where your answer is, you know, this soundbite where yeah. when you cut it out, it's like, oh, yeah, what Dave said was really funny. But then when you think about it, you're like, wait, what did Dave just say? He didn't actually answer my question, you know? Yeah. You know, everything is followed by a laugh. And my point was just, you know, first of all, I'd come from Europe. I wanted to be like Roth in many ways, but there was something that wasn't like that. I didn't sing like him. I didn't write lyrics like him. I had a similar hair. I, I ran around on stage like them and I followed that. But when it came into that, the point that I was tr- I'm trying to make is that nobody wanted to hear a long answer in 1984. And le- later on, when, when Wide Line started hitting, you know, big eight of 80s, in 86, 87, 88, and we started doing this, it was all about that. And I talk about that now, these days when I do interviews, that nobody was interested in, in hearing anything. You know, when, when I when I wrote Little Fighter for, for the 89 album and about, you know, uh, the Rainbow Warrior, a little fishing trawler that Greenpeace owned and were trying to prevent the French government from blowing up, you know, and I put that into a song, but but not literally, but it was what inspired me. And whenever I tried to tell that story to Circus Magazine or or Hit Parade or Middle Edge, 
they didn't have a journalist that was capable of, of, of translating that into what the readers wanted to read. Yeah. And, and, you know, look, I think that uh, people probably would have been really interested in there. I mean, if you think about it at that time, you know, it would be more like, you know, Rolling Stone would do the long in-depth interviews. But then these magazines would probably think like, no, they just want to know, like, you know, do you do you have a girlfriend? What's your uh, favorite food? And uh, do you like being on tour? You know, I feel like it's a lot of those sort of like basic questions, which, you know, you ask those three questions to David Lee Roth and all of a sudden you have, you know, like three really funny answers and you know it's not just him but i think he's a perfect example and i, I look i i love dave's persona i think he's a he's a great singer you know i mean a, a frontman and all that it's just i think that that's what those specific magazines what they felt like their fans wanted but i think that if if you were to give like I don't know, even like a here's like a two page interview with Mike Tramp or something and be like, oh, that's really interesting. I feel like I know a lot about him. And I think that now that's kind of what people expect, because like, you know, right now we're recording an interview for a podcast. Well, that's not like your old fashioned radio interview where it's like maybe you did six minutes and you took a break. <laughs> you'd, you'd come back like five minutes later. You'd maybe do six more minutes and then, you know, play the song and then you had 30 seconds, you know, and I think that's why now you get sort of, you know, like here in the U.S. You have somebody like this comedian Joe Rogan has a show yeah, that yeah. he'll do. Yeah, he'll do like three hour shows. And I'm like, wow, that's so long. But people, they love it. And, you know, I, I thought of him because he did sit with Dave for like two hours. This was only like last year. And. You know, uh, Howard Stern does these long interviews and it, it's, you know, when you do a longer interview, like uh, somewhere recently, I know not that long ago, you talked to to Eddie Trunk and he does a show for Sirius XM. So you don't have to take breaks in the same way. And, you know, to like think back to to the way like I used to produce morning radio for I, I work for the comedian Dennis Miller and we did a regular radio show for him. Cool. And it was like, you know, you'd have this great guest, but if you had them on the phone for an hour, maybe you got 35 minutes of conversation out of them because of all the breaks you had to take. Yeah. But, you know, now you can record because I do a podcast with him now. You can record with that same guest for the whole hour. You can split it up over two shows. You get really in depth. It's hard to get the motivation going. Like if I was talking to you now and this was a, a radio interview. We'd be done. I've been talking to you for 15 minutes. You know, I, I would have been like, you know, I would have said, what's the name of the album? Did you yeah. like recording it? Let's yeah. hear the song. Mike Tramp, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, no, uh, I say no to a lot of things these days. I mean, it's not that, you know, but I, I'm, I'm, you know, I live right now back in, in, in my birth country of Denmark and things sure. like that. I owe I always wonder whenever, once in a while, you know, I, I, I get on a morning TV show, stuff like that. And I'm always saying, what are you going to, what do you want me to talk to me about? Because, you know, I have a long answers and I have, you know, analogies and metaphors and, and because I've lived a long life and, and it cannot just be answered in, in yes and no, she was blonde, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And, it's the way it, it's just the way it is, you know, so, you know, I mean, I thank God for these forms right now, because now it's basically confession times. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and I don't know, you just really get to, to know someone better. I mean, it's a, a good example uh, would be, you know, I mentioned uh, Howard Stern. He'll talk to an actor or somebody that I'm like, yeah, I know who they are. I'm kind of interested in them. Like uh, a perfect example would be Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't think a lot about her. He talked to her for like an hour and a half and I'm like, wow, she's so much more interesting than I ever would have guessed. Old time radio, maybe she's on for 10 minutes and I'm like, OK, yeah, she's that actress that I don't really think much about. So and that's what I love to do is like because, uh, you know, a lot of uh, artists that I'll talk to. I mean, I, I, I talk to actors, I talk com to comedians, anybody that I talk to. It's always like getting to that in depth. And my favorite people are always the ones with with really, you know, not not I am a not long winded, but actually like thoughtful, in depth answers. Yeah. I always think like you know if if I barely get through the notes that I prepared for somebody, it's because we had such a good conversation. You know, I mean, I mean, talking to you right now, I haven't even asked you one question that's in my notes, I, and I'm not no, I'm not I, complaining, I, and I'm not even complaining talking. at all. I. I I think we're having a, a great organic conversation that kind of started. And, and I like I had to jump in and start recording because I was going to tell you I was going to start recording. But I'm like, oh, we're already in the middle of it, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so, I mean, I got it. But, you know, something that you said before uh, was very uh, I just wanted to respond to because it was thoughtful. You, know, you started talking about reevaluating people for their past behavior, you know, and I think that you, you have your instances where someone does something that's, that's really terrible and, you know, maybe it gets to be difficult to think of them in the same way, but it's, it's also like a, a perfect example is, you know, everybody knows what Roman Polanski did and why he left America, but Chinatown is still an amazing movie. So I can see people being conflicted like, you know, I, I don't, I really don't like what he did, but it's still like, yeah, but that movie's great. So, you know, this artist says something, this musician said something stupid, got drunk, did something in public that they shouldn't have. So are those songs not good anymore? You know? And, and I think some, that's the strange thing about 2020 is some people will say, well, yeah, I would never listen to that again, you know? And it's, uh, it's, I, I think that obviously people should be held accountable for what they did, but you know, look, we're talking about Van Halen before. I mean, the stories of, of the way that those guys acted backstage before shows and after shows. Yeah, that's not the Motley Crue is another great example. I mean, they did a whole movie about Motley Crue for Netflix and people were very, you know, just like, well, the, the way they treated women was terrible. And it's like, OK, it is a different time. And I think that a lot of people being around rock stars, you you behave differently. And I think that that would let those guys, you know, talking about Van Halen and Motley Crue, just like, well, yeah, this is this is how I'm supposed to behave. But obviously you get older, you get wiser, the world's different. And you're like, oh, my God, I, I would never act like that if I was in my 20s now. But I, I think it's it's sort of a dangerous thing. Like I said, people who've committed actual crimes should be held accountable for it. But it's like. Well, that's a that's just different sort of behavior. And, and we frown on that in, you know, from the guise of 2020. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned about how I mean, how many times a band has gone out on stage and sucked and, and <laughs> you know, just you know, burped into the microphone. And then, you know, two weeks later, they call Eddie Trong and says, oh, you know, like, you know, I was on heavy medication and I forgot that I shouldn't drink a beer. And I really and you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh and and I I I'm not going to say any names, but I can think of someone who did just that and it's like, yeah, but what about the people who paid to see you? They wanted you to be good that night. But you know? I, somehow, you know, for somehow we're forgiven. I mean, listen, I've never done it, but for some reason we're forgiven it, but some person who just, you know, I don't know, you know, 
so so I mean it, it it it's a little two faced about what is good and what's not good and what's allowed and what's not allowed, and what it all comes all what it all comes back to, for me is that, in in, there were a period where we and I'm saying we a lot of us from from the 80s were defending what we had done. Um, and in this case, the big hair, you know, the colorful pants, you know, the, you know, all that stuff, the, the pouting and the pictures and stuff like that. And the thing is that what I remembered was everybody in the industry with MTV as a forerunner were asking for us to do that. Nobody, nobody wanted us to deliver a black and white, dark video, you know, of sad people or something like that. In 1988, they wanted more girls. They wanted more hair. They wanted more colors and they wanted more that the other band had done. And the same thing with photo sessions and the same thing with interviews. We started talking about how, how little you really could get across in an interview. I will go as far as we almost were portrayed as the dumb blonde yeah that that you know there are no there's there are no you know serious subject in lyrics and stuff like that lately or, or over a long period of times i do a lot of interviews where people p- pull me a little aside because being european and not wanting to write about sex drugs and wrong roll and more sex it just never had really any interest for me i didn't feel i was very good at it it wasn't part of my 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 daily way of thinking that it was all about that sex was something that i had when i came back to my girlfriend or something like at night something like that. it wasn't part of my my daily routine and things like that regardless if if maybe you think i was portraying that on stage um so I chose to pick up some 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 different subjects to write about because I felt that it represented more about where I came from and deep down inside who I was. So now when I look back at those albums and 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 also sort of compare it to now my 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 12 solo albums over 24 years um there really isn't that much of departure. There is a growth in the vocal. There is a taming of the vocal. There's a matter of, 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 of down the line becoming, you know, mature, a little bit more uh, kind of like holding back, not trying so hard and things like that. And, and so I, I remember the times when, when I showed up in the studio and I had written a, uh, Broken Home, just a traditional song or, or, you know, about a family that doesn't exist, you know, and, you know, yeah. the father hits a boy and stuff like that. And the band is sitting there and the producers in there and the record company and the and the management is sitting there just, oh, you know, that's not what, what, what the fans want to hear all this stuff. And I don't know. I mean, it was just a song that was right. It wasn't. And, you know, three years later. Jeremy comes out with Pearl Jam and it's a number one on MTV. And now now the industry was ready for that kind of message. Yeah, no, and I, I think that's a great point. I do think that it is interesting because as we're talking about this, I started to think that obviously White Lion's biggest song would be When the Children Cry. And and I'm, I'm not even trying to disparage a band like Warrant, but when you look at that song, when you listen to it lyrically, it's 
completely different than like say cherry pie or you know dr feel good to not just single out one band but it's it, it, it's like you're you're making a point it, it is there there's something important there but you have a record company that's like yeah yeah we know that people like that song but you know I'm just reading in the notes. I think that that song went to number three and they're like, if you want a number one single, how about you, you sing about a party you went to where there were a lot of girls, isn't it? Don't you think that that's what your fans want? Which is like, yeah, but this is, this is what, what brought them to, uh, to the, to the album pride being a, a triple platinum album is not, not just that song, but obviously that's how a lot of people found out about you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 um, but you know, in you know, I'm not gonna put any more fuel in the fire, even though I'm pretty good at that. I actually, <laughs> I think that people, I think that probably uh, people had grown more with the song and taken in the meaning of the song the older they got, um, because there was still a lot of people out in the audience when we were playing that song that would that would uh, you know. It, raise their hand up with a big lighter and, 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 you know, and, and, and here we got the classic look at it and just feel, Hey man, we're going to meet the band after the show and stuff like that. But yeah. not really thinking that, that, it, that in, in 1985, Mike Tramp writes the lyrics saying no more precedents and all the wars will end. Ronald Reagan is the president. America is as strong as it ever was at that time. It's probably, you know, I'm not going to go too historical, but it was just, the feeling all over was just nobody messes with us. We're secure now. The, the people overall felt, uh, you know, pretty good and something like that. You know, and here I am almost predicting the future in many ways that now we're I'm not apologizing to my children. I'm apologizing to their children when they get born, you know, in reality, because the song becomes more and more current every day it goes on, you know. Yeah, I mean, and look, that's a that's a perfect parallel to today without, you know, getting into the specifics of it. You know, you're talking about Ronald Reagan and obviously now we have Donald Trump. Those are two very polarizing figures. You have people that loved both Reagan and now Trump now and like everything they say, it's like you they, they can't do anything wrong. But then you also have this very vocal contingent that's like, no, no, I think that this is really what the problem is. It kind of starts from the top down. And so I would imagine that, you know, you you'll find that sentiment more, you know, playing around in Europe, but I, I think to what you're saying is I, I I don't think people really thought that much about it. You know, it's uh, there's sort of that song and you're just sort of thinking, obviously not the same genre, but the same time period. If you remember, you know, Suzanne Vega had that song Luca, which was about yeah. child abuse and it was a top 10 song. And you're just like, look, people can record songs about something that's important. And, and again, that's a pop song. That's even, you know, much more difficult, uh, you know, that eight, that time, you know, 30 years later, whatever. And it's like, look, if you, if, if you make a good song that somehow connects with people, maybe it's a song that, that makes them sad, but in a way we're like, oh, that's, that's, you know, and I, but I, I feel like, you know, th that's not, what the people behind the scenes and I think, it, you know, it's easy to point to, you know, record companies because, you know, but even like management and stuff, they're like, no, 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 we need to we want to put you on a tour with this band. You need to have a, a couple more songs that sound like them. You know, let's let's not uh, have something thoughtful. And and I think there there's uh, there's a great mix because, you know, you talked about Neil Young before and some of his lyrics are, uh, you know, very poignant, but it's also like. Do you want to be, you know, spoken to in music or do you want to be preached to 
you know, and, and I, I think that it's tough to figure out, you know, which fan base wants that. You know, I was talking about Bruce Springsteen. Some people probably love when he talks like that and they're they're not going to like ask for the next song, you know, it's a it's 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 a fine line. I've, I've run into that, um, you know, is limited of, of how far I can go politically and or, or in that. Um, and it's like you're damned if you do or damned if you don't. And it's like, you know. What am I supposed to be? Am I am I am I a puppet, or am I the master? Um, and and am I am I in charge of my own destiny? And see, that was sort of a little bit of the problem. Um, and and it wasn't just in the in 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 the eighties. It happened in the fifties and the sixties. It's just these stories we hear about how how people got treated and stuff like that. But for us, it just seemed like there were two or three templates. And that's how, and, and that's what everybody used for the 80s. And, and when it was too late, people sort of woke up and says, oh, maybe we shouldn't have put that much reverb on the snare drum. Or maybe we should have changed the look on the next album. Or maybe we shouldn't, you know, have copied that band's video. And, and, and people think we're the same band or whatever, you know. It's like, I, you know, I do a little bit of, 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 of um, from time to time because the only way I can some, somehow get through it all is, is making a little bit of fun about it. And, and, and I sometimes refer to, um, what it will, what, what really the eighties were about in many ways. And it's like, you know, you, you find yourself standing in line at Walmart or Kmart and, and, you know, there the person in front of you has, has bought so much. So you pick up, you know, the national Enquirer. in this case here, you're picking up circus magazine, it's 1988 and you just kind of go through it quickly. And it's kind of like just like, you know, one of one of those like those little books that, that you, you draw a story and and, and it moves along the way. Um, and here you go. The first 20 pages are blonde hair. And when you go through it quickly, you think it's one person. When you then go through it slowly, you figure out that it's Vince Neal, it's Brett Michaels, it's Mike Tramp, it's a guy from Warren, et cetera, et cetera. And the next 50 pages are a black hair. And that's the three other guys in the band. And that in many ways describes what the 80s sort of were about that, you know, there were very few that would break out once that had been established. And and in many ways, the record company were almost the ones establishing that that's what we need. So you would follow. It would be very hard to go against the grain when all you wanted was have your, your video on MTV. You weren't going to do something that wasn't going to work for them. Yeah, and I think that uh, that that's sort of a testament to a, a lot of those bands who that look as we're talking about a lot of bands whose music I, I still like when I hear it, you know, to this day. And but making that transition into the 90s, I mean, one of the only uh, guys that you think about is John Bon Jovi, who was able to, you know, he didn't have the big like, oh, he's done like a reunion and a comeback, you know, 15 years later. He pretty much stuck around the whole time. He definitely changed his sound, but he was able to adapt in a way that I think a lot of bands weren't. And, you know, you know, you mentioned uh, Pearl Jam before when Nirvana, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, those those four bands in particular, they all come out and it's like, well, yeah, we don't we don't want anything that's that's like what we had before. We want it to be like this. And, you know, some some bands, unfortunately, tried to kind of chase that sound. I mean, you know, there's this this somewhat infamous 
you know, Kiss record that they did before they did the reunion, this band called this uh, uh, album called Carnival of Souls, where they really were trying, you know, Kiss of all bands trying to sound like that. It's uh, and, and I, like I think it's some of it's fun and there's some great music on it. And, and you know, I, I love that permutation of Kiss. That's the, the way that I found that band was when they weren't in makeup, Eric Carr on the drums. You know, st- I can still hear the ringing in my ears sometimes when I think about it. And Bruce Kulick, like that band was great. But then it's like, okay, yeah, but we have to have Kiss not be Kiss anymore. And I mean, yeah, I feel like the only reason that that album ever came out is because there were so many bootlegs of it. Because, you know, they were just like, well, now we're going to go and, and sell our our reunion tour. That's really what what we're going to give people. And I think you have a, you know, varying degrees of success. And look, I liked, I think it was like in 1994, you know, there, there were a lot of these bands that I referenced. Tesla had a new album come out, but, you know, Geffen was like, what? Nobody wants a new Tesla album, you know, so it, it didn't sell well because they didn't want to promote it. And I, I think, you know, you'll hear a lot of those stories. And I know for you, like, you know, White Line obviously wasn't so much together anymore in the transition of the 90s. But I do know that you also, uh, you know, you were in a, a, a much heavier band, Freak of Nature, at one point. And was that kind of a reaction to, all right this is kind of what I was pushed towards. And, you know, obviously white lines an actual expression of your music, but was it, okay, I'm going to do something very different right now. And, and I mean, that's a heavy band because I know that, you know, you toured with like Halloween and Dio. I mean, that's a lot different than, you know, you know, touring with Motley Crue. Yeah. I, I mean, it, that's a great question. And, and thank you for, for, uh, for leading the story there. Um, it, it didn't start out exactly like that, um, but I knew that for some reason I had reached the point um, with the whole White Lion uh, organization and record company like that, there, that I felt that there weren't anybody really leading the band anywhere, um, even though Vito and I were the songwriters and it were our band, whenever we tried to push it somewhere, it's, it seemed like we were we were hitting the threshold and getting pushed back down there like a compressor in a studio, you know, when you hit the drum and it can only go so far be, uh, because it's restricted. And um, so when I called the band off in, in 91, it, I just didn't have any more. And, and, and interesting enough, I'm not going to go into that story. Nobody fought for it. I didn't get a phone call the next day. I didn't get a phone call the next 10 years saying, what are you doing? And the band was still very successful uh, places in Asia and stuff like that. We, we could definitely had, had, had you know, t- pulled away from the American scene, taken a break. And, and figure out wh- wh- where do we want to go, et cetera, et cetera. But I had already in my head before the final show decided that I wanted to do something new. And and what I really want to do, I wanted to take it back to scratch. I wanted to build this car from the beginning. And and shortly after I I sort of started, you know, writing the songs with, with, with one of my friends who became the original and the first guitar player, I knew that I wanted this band to be a collaboration for it to be able to go through the struggle that it would be once again to go through. So for everybody to feel that they were just as important as I was and so on. So we would have to to do everything together. And we put the band up when I finally found all the guys. We stood in a circle. We looked at each other. The bass player took care of playing the bass and the drummer took care of the drums. And nobody bothered with that. So we all were adding what we were. If one were the cinnamon, the other one was the apple and stuff like that. And they didn't mix 
that's what the band became about. I, of course, fueled the band with all the money that I'd made. And, and in many ways, I've called it, I bought my freedom back. I bought my happiness back because now I would show up at rehearsal with it, saying, I am now at the place with the, with the four guys in the world that I love the most. The feeling that I have right now is where I want to be. This is not a business. This is not a job. This is the place where I'd rather be than any other place in the world. And that and that existed for a couple of years. And, and there are no doubt we all come from the same classic, classic rock background, early 70s. Deep Purple, Queen, later on Rainbow, Thin Lizzy, UFO, etc., etc. All of us had that foundation. At the same time, the radio is playing, you know, Chili Peppers, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Helmet, and stuff like that. And there's there was no way that we couldn't or wouldn't be in one way or another affected by that. And 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 sometimes, um, you know adding a bit of, of, of something that we heard there and mixing it with the roots of Thin Lissy and out at the end came Freak of Nature. So so it's just one of those things, just like, you know, when we went into the studio the first time I made this, I made this, you know, uh, comparison a lot of times, you know, that snare drum on, on, on Pyromania destroyed half of the 80s Every band tried to get that loud snare drum that just destroyed almost every mix that I can stand listening to almost any records from the 80s because the snare drum is 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 departing from the band or departing from the drum kit and it doesn't sound like like a unity. It just sounds like one thing where everything else is made around. And that also became a template that that's sort of where you start. It's like almost like you start with the big hair and then you write the song. Yeah, I mean, it, you you feel like a lot of times, you know, a lot of those bands were were put together in that way of, uh, well, here's what they look like. And, you know, I mean, it's it's not really a secret. You know, a lot of times you have a band that you, you get them in the studio and then, you know, a lot of the solos and things are actually from. Uh, you know, guest musicians, if you want to call it that, you know, and it's like, well, you know, and then the bands get better and then they record their own albums. But, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things you learn years later is like it wasn't even about how good the band was. It, it was about, you know, do you do you have that image? And, uh, you know, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you still need to have great songs. But did those bands, you know, actually make great songs? You know, I mean, people always point to, you know, going way back to the idea that uh, you know the monkeys weren't a real band because they were, they did a TV show but uh, when you think about how many other bands just didn't have a TV show but were put together in the same way you know like yeah we have these in-house songs you guys are going to sing these songs oh i don't like your voice i mean even you know, I mean, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, he didn't even use the actual Beach Boys, you know, deep in their career. He's like, yeah, you guys can go on vacation. I'm going to record this album because I know better than all of you. And, you know, I mean, he's a he's an example of somebody who's you know sort of like a, a musical genius. I mean, that's that's sort of like, you know, you know, one of very few people who could probably do that. But a lot of times it's just like, you know, is is the band really in a place where the, the, the brains behind it wants to be. So hearing you say that, that you were able to find that. And then, yeah, I mean, I think the only way to go at that point when we're talking about the early nineties is sort of just being much heavier because obviously you're still going to have, 
the the metal slash hard rock, whatever, however you want to classify it. You know, those bands still still did okay. I mean, they were still out there. You know, I mean, it, it's just it, it, it was such a weird time though because you had you know Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. Well, they were still there, but they felt like they could they could get away with having you know different singers. You know, and and. So it was such a it's such a weird time to look back on. I mean, that's a time I, I lived through. Like I said, I, I liked a hard rock band from the 80s. I liked these 90s bands as well. But I, I feel like I was an anomaly because I was like, yeah, but did you, but did you hear the new Tesla album? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, it's just just the, the, the third Pearl Jam album. That's what you should be talking about. And so it's interesting to kind of hear how much that that weighs on you, because I think a lot of musicians would say like, oh, yeah, man, we just do our own thing. We don't we're not really even conscious of what's out there. But obviously, to be able to survive, you're not going to sacrifice your art. But it's also like, yeah, but what what is viable in this time and place, you know? And I, I think that that's sort of important now because of, uh, I don't know, how fragmented music must be now. I mean, you know, you've you said you did 12 solo albums. I mean, and that's like, uh, that would all be in, in like sort of a weird, different, you know, I mean, compare that to getting an album deal with White Lion, you know, I mean, it, it has to be like a, 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 it's like a completely different industry, I would assume, right? Well, man, while you were talking, man, I was just like, it was like I was an acid trip, man, so many different things, so many doors got opened. I mean, it's like, you know, there's so many things I want to say because sure. these, days, these days, a lot of it is becoming therapy. And uh, it's it a lot of times it's it's all 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 a matter of if you're ready to accept the reflection in the mirror and what you see because everything that I say and everything that I have done has been based upon the mistake I did before. So, so, so it's, yeah. it's it will, I'm not opening my mouth as I know it all. I open my mouth because yes, I have done it all. And fell on my ass so many times. So every 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 new step was based upon, you know, the step you had done before, and 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 possibly the step that wasn't very good, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and um, a, a, a thing that I that that uh, that I started thinking about um, when when you mentioned something was that um, this thing about that the show must go on for every prize. Um, and, and that could also be bringing in another person to play, uh, an instrument in the studio. But meanwhile, you still kept the band together and live it wasn't. And, and in the last 20 years, I've had this conversations with a lot of people about, you know, imagine if the Beatles had John Bonham and stuff like that. I think everybody always think if we get a, oh, but he's a better bass player and stuff like that. Yeah. But. A lot of people didn't think back then, what does the word band really mean? And sometimes it is it is the weakness in one corner that makes it strong in the other one, and combined, it makes it special. And, and it's just one of those things that you cannot describe before you really sit now with, with, with some different ears and you're able to to completely forget about anything else but just listening to the music and then you find out how great some of these original bands were because of their 
dysfunctionality and 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 you know not everybody be on on, on equal level and stuff like that but everything together became the perfect the perfect machine the perfect band in in different ways whatever and that is the foundation of rock and roll that the rest of us were able to now continue based upon that template that prototype that we then went in there and sort of forgot about the 10 commandments and the 10 most important things is a different story but now going back there we know the things and i was talking to, to somebody about it the other day i says why is it that i mean all these record production today it just does it doesn't never nothing ever sounds like a band playing together anymore it just sounds like it just sounds like a v8 on on you know like 8000 rpm nascar coming out of the speakers there's no dynamic and then you go back and you put on a jethro tall record or 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 bad company or or Kansas or something like that from the 70s or the, and you just hear you can almost hear 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 the the sweat in the studio yeah no and I think that you know, look you you mentioned uh, it's the same thing there's so many things so many threads to pull on look the idea that the Beatles could have had somebody else I mean people will point to Ringo Starr and say that you know he he's not the best drummer it's like yeah but you know what he was is he was the best drummer for the Beatles for the four of those guys to make the music that's become iconic it, you you know having them in the room together and I think that you know you have so many you know you, you'll hear musicians talk about Oh yeah, I recorded this album. You know, my my bass player was, was you know was in Vegas and he emailed me the track and the the drummer was you know was in the Bahamas and it's like well yeah when you do that you can get a good sounding song but not actually even being in the room together and also just this idea of replacing people. I mean I I've I've heard uh, you know you have some producers guys like uh jack douglas who did the the second aerosmith album he replaced yeah. joe perry of all people to not let joe perry play on an album and i mean you know i i mentioned kiss before they're notorious for having people play that weren't ace and peter not even later in their career when you know obviously they had some substance problems like just like yeah yeah but this guy could do the solo better it's like well sure and then you hear years later it's like oh yeah we've released this version like well what was wrong with that like why did you need it that much better you know and you i think a lot of times it, the producer doesn't necessarily make your album better i mean you know to go back to the beatles i mean phil specter did let it let it be and it's just like they, they put out sort of i think they called it let it be naked i don't know somewhere in the last 10 15 years and you're like oh yeah that's like a more organic feel you're not sort of manufacturing this sound that you feel like maybe it's profi proficiently maybe it's better you know, but that's just to the year of what they said. But like you, you definitely can lose some of the spirit of what made those guys and obviously men, women, you know, whoever's in the band. But the, the people in the band are like, yeah, yeah, but th these were our guys. This is we've worked this out together. Let's not just have, you know, a, a, a super talented guitarist sit in for a day and play the solos on our record. Exactly. I mean, you know, you know what it's like, you're it's like. Your team is in the Super Bowl, and it happens to be to be not to be uh, the New England Patriots. But you decide that you know you call in Tom Tom Brady to throw yeah. you know the ball, and it's like replacing in and and it it it's just not. I I don't. 
I completely went blank, but I'm using that. Uh, no, well, let me just let me just interject because you'll hear like in, in sports, you'll have managers who say like, you know what, we're going to win with the guys who got us there. We're, you know, in, in, in baseball, you see it a little bit more because of the way that the, the lineup can be very tailor made to a specific pitcher. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm just going to run out. I'm going to run out the guy like like, why are you in the World Series? Why are you in the Super Bowl? Because these are the guys who got you there. So instead of like, yeah, but, you know, this guy, this guy's a, a little faster. This guy, you know, does this a little bit better. It's like, yeah, but that guy wasn't part of the dynamic. So you should see how it, how it goes. And I, I think it, it's a fascinating thing, you know, when it, you do extend it to, to music. I mean, could could you imagine the, you know, just saying I, I know that a lot of bands don't make music anymore, but just imagine if Aerosmith did make another record and you say, oh, yeah, Joe, you don't need to come in today because we've got somebody else who we think is better than you. No, no, but but it's, it's just but Aerosmith just did it, you know, like Joe 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 Joe, uh, Joe Kramer got sick and they had one of the the drum take play for it yeah. and the band turned around just that's the way we're supposed to say and Aerosmith ex existing for forty five fucking years and 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 suddenly now you go oh that's the way we're supposed to sound <laughs> it's like you know you know it's it's the same thing I mean I'm a huge Aerosmith fan I I was lucky enough to tour with them. I became really good friends with Steven and 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 many, many times I talked to jo jo Joey Kramer just about a lot of different things. So 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 when things like that happened at the same time, obviously I was a gigantic Van Halen fan and things like that. But recently when Eddie Van Halen, you know, probably the, the most innovative guitar player of anybody uh, came out and, and, and said that Michael Anthony had never played bass on the record. I mean, it's like I am. I almost felt like you know burning the records. I mean, it's like you know, similar to you know when John Lennon said, you know, we're we're bigger than Jesus or whatever. Yeah, it's, sure. No, 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 no. Don't don't say that now. Yeah. Michael Anthony is the bass player in Van Halen. You know. Uh, I. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, yeah, it's like, yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't need to hear that. And it's like, look, he's the guy who, who played live on stage. I mean, that, that's a different issue that you get to now bands who don't even really play live, which, you know, we don't need to peel that back at, at this point, but <laughs> uh, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, I think that that's a lot of times what you want. And, you know, I hadn't even thought about that, you know, how uh, Aerosmith basically replaced Joey and when he could play again, they still didn't want him back in the band. You know, and and that was sort of at the beginning of this year before, uh, you know, before the world started shutting down and everything got so crazy. I kind of forgot about that story because it feels like it's from a different life. You know, something that happened pre-virus. I actually didn't remember that. But, yeah, they 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 were just like, yeah, yeah, we don't actually need this guy. And that was one of those bands you could always point to that, you know, yes, there was a period where uh, Brad Whitford and, and Joe Perry were, were out of the band for a very short time. Uh, but you could point to one of those rare bands of like, yeah, these these have been the guys for 45 years. And then the idea that we can get replaced, which, you know, I mean, there's a lot of bands that, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll talk to bands and, you know, it's like the maybe the the bassist is the only guy that's actually the, the original person from the band. And you have a lot of reasons why the band will continue without someone. But, uh, you know, and, and you always feel like, I, I mean, I guess, but is it really that band if, you know, it, it, a lot of times people I feel like if it's if it's the same singer they they can sort of you know feel like yeah 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 because they're gonna go out and they're gonna play the hits, but it's uh I, I think that we as fans get so connected to these bands you know I mean you you think 
give me a lot of not ideas, but but to say because you know I wanted to ask you if 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 we could you know narrow this down and 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 come with an answer about the several things we're talking about. And sure, if I now sure. started with, with what you were just going, <laughs> and right. I, I wanted to stop you so I didn't lose my thought, was that, you know, to be organic, you know, um, I live on a farm myself and I know what it requires for the cattle to be organic. I know what it, gr- it re- requires for the grass to be organic and get that certifi- certificate. And the same thing, it, it's like, you know, well, you know, for it to, for, for you to call it a champagne, it has to come from champagne, even though the same similar thing comes from from Chile or Australia. It's called sparkling wine. But champagne has the right because it's coming from the champagne origin. If it if it if it's called if, if it's a ninety nine point a ninety nine octane, it has to be ninety nine octane. You know, it's one of those things. So maybe rock and roll and these bands would have to, you know, for for them to use the the band logo and the band name, it would have to have a certain amount of originality that the court or or a panel would have to establish because you can't call it, call it that if it's not that. Yeah. And that's, that's where you get into those things of, you know, you have a, a perfect example would be the band great white. There's a band called great white that doesn't have Jack Russell in it, but then there's another band called Jack Russell's great white that has Jack Russell in it. And you're like, okay, well, which great white am I seeing? You know? And then you have to think, do I like the singer or do I like the guitarist? You know? And I mean, then, you know, you have like the lawsuits, you have a guy like Jeff Tate who leaves Queensryche and he can't use the name Queensryche anymore. But then you're also like, but what did I like about Queensryche? I think it might've been Jeff Tate, you know? So let me go and see his band. That's not called Queensryche. And it, it gets so confusing. And look, I mean, we, we could, we could do a whole other hour about how, you know, the touring industry is where so much of, of the money gets made and why these names are so valuable. I think there ought to be some kind of truth in advertising of, you know, if you actually get to see a band like, you know, let us know who's in it. I don't know it does if it fits in the ad. <laughs> and a lot of times you don't know who some of the people are. You know, you know, I think a lot of bands when you're a casual fan, you know, the singer, you know, the guitarist, you might not know who else, you know. So I, I think that uh, there's really something to be said for all of that. And, you know, I mean, I, I we could talk about all this stuff forever and it's, it's great because I've been talking to you for almost an hour and I have not even asked you about your new album yet, which I love the new album, by the way. But I just I just like that we started a very casual conversation and it kind of got us to where we are at this moment, you know. But for the listener, for the listener, um, I would hope that the listener would would feel that. Maybe this man has lived a life and and confronted a lot of demons and slayed some dragons and, and been beaten up by others, et cetera, et cetera. That there is something that that most likely could end up in those songs, something real, because my solo career started in ninety six and it has been an ongoing journey. I sometimes I sometimes calling it, 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 you know, the the endless highway, the tramp endless highway, where each album represents an exit that I pull off, look back at the life I've lived, think about where I'm at the moment and possibly where I'm going. And the next album will sort of um, be a similar thing, except for it'll tell a new story because 
we spoke about something earlier on about bands and different things. And, and I, I don't even know, but what I wanted my listeners and, and, and the fans and, and the, and the ones who love my music that have followed me from album and album, I want them to that. When they reach from my tram, they're going to get 100% my tramp. And that's, that it's a form of security and safety. I want to give them and and I remember we talking about something like if it should be should be like that. And it's it's like when you go in and you ask for a Big Mac or for a double wobble with cheese, hold the pickles, please. You already know the flavor. You right. already know the taste in your mouth. It's as simple as that. And that's where we am. I like my music to be like that. And the, and this year I've, I've, I'm, I'm drawing the line, even though that line, a lot of people's not going to see because for my entire solo career, when I play live, I have been playing white lion songs, tame, tamed down. So they fit with the rest of my songs, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I'm, I'm right now sitting in, 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 in my, in my studio here. And I probably have, probably have about 200, 250, a3 posters for, for, for my tram solo shows around the world. And there's not one, po even though it's got the big Mike Tramp uh, logo uh, on, on top, there's not one poster that doesn't say or have the Wide Line logo or saying the voice of Wide Line, the man from Wide Line, stuff like that. And it's one of those things that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with right now. I mean, I know I am from Wide Line. It's my band. I wrote the songs, but it it it's like it's like you you know the the listener is not interested you you make the listener almost feel like the listener or the fan is not interested if that thing is not attached to it where it should be two separate entities because when a hard rod mag magazine in germany uh, um reviews my album but the reviewer is sitting with with, with the vision of white lion and now they're getting, in lack of better words, a Tom Petty record. Sure, yeah. It, 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 where it is, and that's just the separation. So, so this year, you know, my my American tour did not end up happening, but I was doing a tour in America called Mike Tramp, the Songs of White Lion. So nobody would ask the question, is he playing White Lion? Because what I was really trying to get at, and, and, and a lot of times I get lost because it, it's like, you know, that's why I don't go to a therapist. It'd be too expensive because I'll never get done. Um, <laughs> I'll do interviews instead. Is that, you know, this thing about um, them adding all this, you can't, you were the one mentioning it. You can, you know, when, when they try to book me in the U.S. and I play a lot of shows like that, the white line thing has to be attached one way or another. They simply cannot manage to book the artist or, or, or the venue. Just accept that the, it is Mike Tram coming. I am, I am a totally believer of that. Everybody knows my name who knew White Lion. So you don't need to add Mike Tram and White Lion together. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I, I look. So here's the thing. I can understand where they're coming from. I do think you're right. It, you know, you sort of mentioned McDonald's. So like if, if you were to take 
you know, the, the, if you prepare all the food from a McDonald's restaurant and then you, you know, you sell it, you know, down the street a mile away at a restaurant that just says hamburgers, well, you're probably not going to sell as many people aren't going to walk in because they're like, why well, that just is, that's just some hamburger place. So you're going to have, so their thinking is that people don't know Mike Tramp of white lion. If it doesn't say the of white lion and it, you know, I, I, I can't imagine that it makes that much of a difference. But I understand where they're coming from from a business standpoint. But for you, it's just like, yeah, look, I, 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 I'll probably play some White Lion songs, but I, that's yeah. that's not what I, I'm here to do. But you're saying that you were going to go and play the songs of White Lion, and uh, yeah. Oh, you, sorry, go ahead. I'm talking about that you're opening a restaurant and you're calling it the Big Mac, but it tastes of of of, of the double wobber, and 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 yeah. I'm refer I'm referring to that. Why are you adding the White Lion name when it doesn't sound like White Lion and it has nothing to do with White Lion? You know, you know, um, you might as well hang up the Danish flag because I was born and raised and come from Denmark. It, right. it, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not running away from White Lion. It's, it, 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 it's, you know, and I've been playing 50% of White Lion songs in all my acoustic shows and stuff like that. But the thing is that I have 12 solo albums and some of these songs. I, uh, or a story is being told, and I, I want to be in that moment, and I, I want I want the show to be so, like a special event. I'm not going out on stage just to pay the rent. I'm also I'm also enjoying it, and I'm also telling uh, you know the story of my life in those songs and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And I've refused any talk of any white line reunion, although it would never happen. It's a it's an, an, a mutual agreement between Vito Brada and myself, and 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 um, I even I even made the mistake myself of trying to put first together a Tramps White Line, and then later try to see if I could push it far enough and release an album under White Line, even though it sounded nothing like White Line. That is the mistake I now live with, um, and that that's that's my that's my uh, my guideline for not crossing that that line, you know, ever again, that I should just have remained faithful to myself and believed, you know, in what I was doing with my solo career was, 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 was a little bit more about living and being okay with the life I lived than just making music. Yeah, no, no. I mean, all, all of this, uh, makes so much sense. And you're sort of talking about the way that you, you know, put yourself out on your solo album. What I thought was interesting about the the new album second time around is that you you're basically taking songs that you had previously recorded, I guess, about 10 years ago. And I, I think that it, I'm sure that you played those songs live and they must have, you know, evolved in a way over time. But what goes into that decision of, you know, maybe this is an album that, for whatever reason, maybe people didn't hear. Maybe they're more likely to hear it now. But what what goes into the idea of I'm going to put out this album and these are going to be songs that I really love, but I, I want people to hear it in a different way? Well, it was it was it was the fact of the matter is that um, that the album only the the album where those songs were on at that time only came out in Denmark. And, and for many years, I wasn't uh, able to um, to get anywhere with it. And and whenever I went back and 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 listened to those songs, I knew that the, those songs were very important. I mean, it's almost like chapter five in a book, and you remove it, and suddenly the story doesn't make sense anymore. Because um, that album 
is recorded basically as my fourth solo album. And that is that is being stopped sort of right before there's been a break before where I've been on that two and a half years white lion venture that ends up in lawsuits and regrets and 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 me also realizing that that I cannot be my tramp 1988 on stage anymore and I I don't want to try to be battling and and trying to find you know that I can't fit into the pants and then I can't sing the songs <laughs> the way I sing them in those sure. days and 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 actually when you had mentioned freak of nature before that i actually naturally on the last white line album had felt a change in my voice and that i wanted to go somewhere else with it so bit by bit it it was a realization that i i, I wasn't hadn't maybe confronted really and closed at the time of the end of white lion and then once it, it was sort of opened up again by people, you know, whispering my, yes, man, you know, if you put a new wide line together, you know, man, you can play festivals, you can get bigger fees and stuff like that. And, you know, I was weak and I gave in for it and it didn't take long before I already regretted it. And it became just a matter of when I could finish it and stuff like that. So when, 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 whenever I had a break in that time, because this is a period between 2005 and 2009, whenever I, re, re, you know, retreat to my my uh, my hotel room or go back to my house, which is just was just an apartment, or whatever, I would be writing the songs that are on second time around, and and what it tells me is that that is the true my tramp that represents my tramp at the present moment where he's out there doing doing a version of a band that existed 15 years prior to that, a time that doesn't exist anymore, except for just in a logo and in a name. Yeah. And, you know, again, we don't we don't need to say which bands you do have those bands that uh, go away for a while and then they come back and they're they're just like, well, yeah, we're just going to kind of, you know, do exactly the same things. And I mean, the argument sometimes is that, you know, a record company will say, well, nobody wants a new record from you, which is probably in many cases not the case. It's like, just go out, do the hits. It's all right if you don't move or in a lot of cases, if you don't sound the way you used to, you know, it's just again, because this their idea is, can I put that logo for that band on my poster, on my advertising, whatever, however I'm advertising? And I think that, you know, your answer is, I would say the only time I've heard someone be honest enough to say that, like, oh, yeah, it just wasn't me. It wasn't right. It didn't feel good. Uh, and I think to put out all the solo albums it must be so much more fulfilling and I, I think that it, it makes sense. I, di- I actually didn't even realize that that album had only come out in Denmark. So, I mean, I think that reason of just like, yeah, people hadn't heard it, you know, in the United States uh, or, you know, anywhere in the world uh, outside of Denmark. Um, you know, sort of when you mentioned that, I was noticing in the notes that uh, your solo albums tend to do incredibly well in Denmark. You had a 2017 album called Maybe Tomorrow that was number one in Denmark. And I feel like that you know, being from Denmark and being this, you know, international, you know, triple platinum selling artist who comes from Denmark and then goes back. I feel like they must be so supportive and proud of you so that when a new album comes out, they're like, oh, my God, it's a new Mike Tramp album Uh, that I I feel like there must be some kind of, you know, real affinity that somebody from Denmark has made a name for themselves around the entire world instead of maybe just in Europe or something, you know? 
Oh, I so I so much just wanted you to be right about that, but unfortunately not. Uh, the last album was number <laughs> one too. Uh, it, it's I think it's, a, it's just a lot based upon that you, you become number one in a different way today. I'm grateful to anything that happens and so on. So the the thing is that which I wanted to add to was that White Lion would not have broken up if it wasn't going to break up. I mean, v, I know that probably not even proper English, but Vito and I did not have any difficulties. I mean, we were the band. It was our band. We were the songwriters, et cetera. We didn't have any issues, but there was just at the same time, he didn't fight for it when I let go of it. Um, and that maybe just explained a little bit more about, you know, our friendship was really based upon that him and I would meet in a dark room and write the songs, not a dark room, but it's sort of just that in almost a, a, uh, a sort of like a, like a no man's a neutral place, et cetera, et cetera, that, you know, when we were talking the songs of white lion, white lion, the music, we were unanimous on every decision. But we had very, very little in common in, in, in ever spending any time together. I was the complete outdoor man climbing mountains, you know, doing fitness, et cetera, et cetera. And stuff like that. really open, very open to things like that. Not a night person, not hanging out in bars or rock clubs, stuff like that. And Vito was just completely secluded and being home, you know, with his family and stuff like that. In this case, his parents, et cetera, et cetera. And so and so we never we never ever gotten close in that way. And 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 because because the background I come from um, in Denmark, where, where today my, my, my childhood friends and my school friends are still my best friends, the, the friendship and the brotherhood was so important to me. And I remember talking about that when, I, when we shortly talked about Freak of Nature. That was what I was looking for. And, and when I had that in that short period, you can hear that in those two records. Those two records screams out, here is a band that wants to be together. These songs are written when they were at the happiest moments, etc. Those two albums are phenomenal albums in that sense. They're also great songs, but there is 100% unity in that, in, in that, you know, um, music and 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 collaboration of the band so so again like i said earlier on too every step is based upon the knowledge from the previous so my solo albums became that time that after i now had had three bands i felt it was similar to being married three times the first wife took the big house the second wife took the children <laughs> and the third one took the camber and 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 you just say I got nothing left, you know, <laughs> you know, so now yeah. I'm just, just keeping it. I'm just staying. I'm just having a sleeping bag and, and, you know, a pair of jeans and a, a leather jacket and bare boots. So the solo albums is, is because I'm, I'm, it's very easy for me to be honest. And, 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 and I found that the fans that come to the show and I says, we know you're from white line, but we like where you are right now. We, we, we were there when you saw white line, but we here, now I'm together with my wife or, 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 or the wife I'm together with my husband, you know, stuff like that. And we like where you are now. We like what you talk about. We like where you represent. We like your openness to that. You're no different than us. 
Yeah, no, and, and you know, that, that parallel is interesting because uh, you were reminding me, and, and I'm glad you kind of brought it back up again because I had thought this earlier. When you were talking about the band breaking up and, and no one fighting for it, it, it reminded me of a, of a girlfriend I had right after college, and she said, we should break up. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I guess so. And then years later, she was like, yeah, why didn't you fight for me? I'm like, I don't know. You told me that you wanted to break up. So I figured that meant we didn't want to be together anymore. And that says so much. Lovely girl, one of the nice people, nicest people I'd ever met. But clearly we didn't have the kind of connection where I knew that that's what you were going for. And I've been with my my now wife. We've been together for uh, 16 years and we've been married for more than 10. And it's just like, well, that's the person I had the connection with. Not not the girl who needs me to say like, no, no, I'm going to I'm going to fight for you. If you if you say that it's over, it must be over, you know. So, yeah, by not saying anything, it was time to turn the page. And uh, I think it's I think it's great that you're able to have this this you know period where you're doing your solo albums because if the way you talk about it it seems like you're so much happier because it's a more honest representation and again the album second time around people should should be able to find it i mean if you're if you've uh, just like you said before if you just like this is an interesting conversation i want to see how mike tramp expresses himself on the album uh, you know, MikeTramp.dk is where they find all of that. But, you know, you were sort of talking about how you were going to tour. Now, was it going to be a tour promoting this new record or was it really going to to be just the music of White Line or a little bit of a mix? I ask because I was actually on the guest list for a show you were going to do at the Whiskey in Los Angeles in mid-April. But, of course, that show didn't happen because none of the shows happened. Well, no, I mean, this is exactly how I feel where rock and roll is today. I would, the, the tour is the songs are wide line. It's 100% wide line. At the same time, I'm releasing a new solo album, and and usually you don't play a lot of new music in your show. So it just I just felt they go well together. I come out after the show. I spend half an hour, forty five minutes, sometimes an hour with 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 you know whoever shows up at at the show. And, and, and they always buy my current album or my past album or whatever it is. So it, re- it, it really wasn't like that old-fashioned way, new album on tour, you start. It's a, it was just, I said, you know what? Now I'm going to give them all the Wide Line songs, but at the same time, I'm releasing a new album. So the, it, 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 in many ways, it just it showed that I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm confident in who I am. I'm confident in, in, in when I play, you know, uh, two hours of white line. And I'm confident when I play three hours of my own music, I sometimes have a problem that you need to promote me using the name white lion. Yeah, no, no. And, and, and especially if that's what somebody's not necessarily going to get, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's you know, you'll have a lot of bands who will maybe do one or two new songs, you know, no matter how much they want to play them, you just kind of know. And it, it it's sort of interesting because you'll have bands where, uh, you know, just to bring it back to to Aerosmith, a good example would be that they have all these great deep songs, but they have so many truly popular songs from the 70s, from the 80s, from the 90s. You're like, well, we got to get some mixture in there. You're going to leave disappointed, but. I think that a lot of bands are like, well, we have these like eight songs that we need to play. We can sprinkle in one new one. Maybe we do a cover. Maybe we do one deep track. And look, I, there's there's bands that I I really like. I think they they perform really well. Uh, I'm not saying anything bad about Def Leppard, other than the fact that if you look at their set list 
from last year and five years before, it's kind of the same. They squeeze one new song in and then it's like, yeah, but I, there's other songs I'd love to hear from that band, even just one or two. And I guess the thinking is like, you know, well, people don't necessarily want that. So I think you being up front saying, look, this is the music of White Lion. You know, maybe there'll be another tour where it's the music of Mike Tramp. I, I guess that uh, I, I guess I see the, the sort of all the different sides of it. Uh, I, I think if, if I enjoy a musician, I, I'm looking forward to, to hearing a representation of who they are. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you have so many casual fans. And I think that brings it back to this idea of why they feel like you need to be Mike Tramp of White Lion, you know, using the air quotes around it. But at the same time, it doesn't say White Lion, you know, was uh, 30 years ago. You know, uh, I mean, it, it, it's, it's sort of like saying, oh, you know, it's this kind of thing. I was going to ask you, what is the point of rock and roll? What is the message of rock and roll today? Because you like say, I have met thousands of artists in my career doing things like that. that have had this attitude that this was all just like, you know, this is show business and this is how we are. And, and I, I got no personal um involvement in it like it's like like i'm playing a role i'm 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 just i'm following the script etc etc you know i've always been the person that reach out and reach out and like stick my hand out first before anything else and 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 basically by the time by the time you know my hand is in their hand you know i give them my pin code to my credit card and and you know basically just throwing myself at them and saying you know I'm hiding nothing. And but most people I was just hit hit a brick wall and and I met so many people was that were so uncomfortable in their own skin of 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 if they couldn't play the role of the rock star behind the mirror sunglasses and the bottle of Jack, the, the bottle of Jack could represent the limousine, could be uh, could represent the big two of us, could represent a, a big penthouse suite and a hotel and stuff like that. But, you know, once they were out of that role, it they felt they had to defend themselves in that. It's like, well, I can see you're going bald. I know you're not selling a lot of records, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I can't sit and have a beer with you. Yeah, and, and I think that you have a lot of artists who are afraid to let you in and, and see who they are now that, that they're older. Maybe they have changed and, you know, like, look, I can't sing the way I used to. And I think that to sort of your question, I think the idea of of rock and roll and the idea of the music is making a connection with someone. And look, yeah, you're going to connect differently with me sitting down uh, earlier this week, listening to the new album than, you know, me listening to the, the pride album 30 years ago. You know, it's just, I'm a different person. You're a different person. Every, everybody should be, no, let me take it back. I'm putting it the wrong way. Nobody should be afraid to grow because you even said it before your audience grows with you. If you let them, and I, I think that it's it's fun to go and see, you know, bands from the late 80s and the 90s and hear them do stuff. But I I like when it's like, yeah, but we you know, we we still we do this now, too. You know, I think it, it's like to, you know, a good example would be if you go and see the band Poison, it's a lot different than if you see Brett Michaels do a solo tour. He's going to do a couple of those songs because you want it. But it, he's almost like a country artist, you know, when he tours solo. And it's like, yeah, do, did you like the way that that band sounded 30 years ago? 
or are you a fan of the person and are you interested in what they have to say? Cause they're going to say it a little differently now, you know? And, uh, I, I think that that goes back to that fear of the people that are, you know, booking the bands and the venues. They're like, yeah, I, I don't know that, uh, I, I can expect people to grow like that. They, they want to hear, you know, the greatest hits album plus like one extra song. It's almost like rock and roll have been given carte blanche and, and, you know, it's like, you know, I actually told this on 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 Eddie Trunk's show and, and, and he got the point and I heard him laugh. You know, there's an old movie called They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Uh, and um, I sometimes feel the same thing about, you know, athletes and stuff like that. There is a time when the coach calls them off the field and say, you know what, your time is up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And okay, and then they become car salesmen, you know, you know, car sales car deal is uh, dealerships, you know, have a car dealership or some become, you know, commentators and stuff like that. And we all respect them and we all remember the great game they had and stuff like that. And the legacy will live on in our, in our hearts and stuff like that. And so and so, and once in a while they come on and, you know, there's a reunion of some sort, you know, but eventually they can only run for so long. And, and we never question that because they're human beings. But when a rock and roll singer goes on and he barely can sing, and three of the other guys in the band is basically covering his vocal and, and he simply doesn't want to let go. And he's still an, an, an 879 or or whatever, still write lyrics like he was in 1987 and stuff like that. I got to put my foot down and say, you're a goddamn joke. Yeah, look, when you're on stage and, and you either have somebody backstage singing that we don't see or even worse than that, when, you know, you're playing a recording of, you know, you from a different time and place, it's like, why are you out there? You know, and, you know, do people do people need to see you that badly? Do you need to be in front of people where, you know, you're not even you know, representation of that. And, you know, look, I've, I've seen bands where I, I suspect that that's probably what's going on, but there's, there's time. It, it just makes you ask the question, you know, I mean, I would say probably my favorite musician uh, throughout the uh, 30 plus years of, you know, really like buying new albums is, is Alice Cooper. And he has the advantage that he always kind of sounded like that growl. Well, now that he's in his 70s, he can still growl like that. So he's somebody that I, I, you know, and he still runs around and gets his head chopped off and, you know, all the all the same stuff. He still does a show. Uh, you know, when I met my wife, she didn't know anything about Alice Cooper, but she loves to go see him because of the show and the spectacle. He's he's somebody that's like, yeah, you're able to do what you do. But somebody whose whole career was hitting those high notes, it's like, you know, it, 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 it's like, OK, but you can't even sing that song anymore. You know, it's, should you be out there? And I, I guess the answer is usually how much more money do you need? Sometimes bands look, maybe weren't smart with their money. You have other bands where people are millions or billionaires and you're like, do you need to do, you know, one or two more tours? Do you need to be touring in your mid seventies? Uh, and, and I don't, I don't know why the answer is, is so often. Yes, because, you know, it's uh, I, I can see how disappointing it is for a fan. You, know, you look, you talked about going to see a band, you know, not you personally, but if people go and see a band and the band's not good. You're like, oh, man, why did I do that to myself? I should have known that these guys are this old and, and that it's not good anymore. So, yeah, I think you have to applaud a band that 
you know, is like, yeah, you know what? We're, we're still kind of at the, at the height of our powers. Let's go ahead. And, you know, like, like rush didn't even do a big farewell tour. They're like, yeah, okay. But that was our last tour. So you guys aren't going to see us again. And, you know, then obviously, uh, tragically we heard earlier this year that uh, Neil Peart passed away, but the idea of like, yeah, yeah, we, we were at a point where we felt like we were done. And so few bands do that because of sometimes it's, they need the money. The people around them, of course, need the money and and, you know, they just put themselves in situations that you, you wish they weren't, you know. Well, I mean, so is the point instead of calling Dr. Phil in, I mean, is the point <laughs> that, because I'm not getting the point. I wasn't made for this business. And that's why I have have conflicts constantly about this, that that this really is just about making as much money as you can trying to fool the people if you can, et cetera, et cetera. The show must go on for any price, regardless if you can't show up for the show, we'll put a wick on someone else, but we'll, the show will go on. But we'll, the show will go on. And, and I understand that. I just, I just know that I can't play by that. It, it's, it's, you know, and God knows I need every dollar I can make etc etc but i'm not for sale is as simple as that i will not i will not go out and do something that doesn't represent me i mean mostly i play around the world for 100 to 200 people very intimate shows and acoustic guitar sometimes somebody else is with me in denmark i play with a full band etc etc i i don't necessarily have a goal my goal is that my music is, represents who i am and where i am at the place in time and so on so that that is what people are going to get they're getting you know you know today's you know dish not yesterday's, et cetera, et cetera. And I am as good as I am today, as simple as possible. And you will then decide if you believe that I can be good next year and come to the show. It's then up to me to make sure that I go up and do and become and always will be the world's best Mike Tramp because it is the only role I can play. I cannot be anyone else. And, and, you know, I guess to, it was very funny you made the point, I think to keep it in the, uh, the Dr. Phil uh, area is I think that a lot of people don't want to be that, that who they are, you know, and, uh, that, that is where you run into the problems. And, uh, I think just the honesty and being, you know, and being okay to like, yeah, I'm going to play for a hundred to 200 people because you said before, if, if you were to just put together, you know, four other guys and you, and say this is what White Lion is now. You'll get those calls from the festivals, you know, uh, around the world, and then you'll make more money. But I, I can't imagine how miserable would you be not just standing on stage and pretending, but then like spending weeks and months of your life. Now I'm touring around, you know, spending all day pretending to be something. And uh, I, I don't know. I find it to be admirable to have that kind of honesty uh, in a, you know, in a in a world where. Very few people, I, I feel, are particularly honest, uh, especially after, you know, they've they've had the that kind of success sort of dangled out in, in front of them of like, you know, don't don't you want, you know, these many zeros at the at the end of the check? Well, I mean, to say to the listeners, um, it's just the way 
I am. I understand that everybody chooses their own destiny and things like that. I experienced a, a strange feeling of, of, of um, when when um, when I suddenly went out and, and, and did the wide line after I had been having a, a guitar around my neck for, for several years and stuff like that. And suddenly all those moves that I was really proud of and I felt I was a good front man in wide line felt so strange to me. Nothing came natural anymore to me about how to stand and pose and, and be with a microphone, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and that already happened with Freak of Nature. It became like, like kind of like, you know, a, a, a way to ca calm down after, you know, you've been up in space or, 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 or de diving deep, you know, you decompress and stuff like that. When I went into Freak of Nature, I used a mic stand and stood still in the middle. We had two guitar players. When I started my solo career, I started putting a guitar around my neck to tame myself, to tell the story, to sing the song, et cetera, et cetera. It was all part of a natural growth. And, and, and when I tried to go back, it, it, it felt very unnatural. And it told me every single time that the, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. Right. Yeah. But well, I, 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 yeah. And I think I, that comes across. I, I think I like think listening to the new album, you know, and it, it, it definitely seems like a very honest expression of the, the person who, you know, who went into the studio to record those. Well, well, it is. It is. Um, I can only be me, and I feel that that all twelve solo albums are one hundred percent me, and they're they're a natural continuation, and also that also that's a natural growth of very little. It's kind of like like a wrong stock, you know. You you bought it only for the first year, but that's on purpose. I don't want to be anyone but me. I just want to yeah. be. And and that's sort of just what I do, you know, um, and it, it it coincides with how I live my life and things like that, and what I like and do, you know. I live on a farm. I, you know, I'm very much outdoor things like that, you know. Um, I read a lot, and and you know, I, I try to really, um, I try just to really stay and be where I am at the moment, and so on. So you know. Um, no, but you know, obviously, this whole thing has an unraveled a lot of of um, a lot of old memories and a lot of old thoughts, and 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 not every week, but but maybe every second week, I talk to Vito, my old son, my old my old <laughs> maybe, son, maybe, maybe, my maybe old, that's maybe that's Vito calling you now. No, it's not. No, he doesn't know. <laughs> it, it, it was my other friend from Los Angeles, actually. Um, you know, we call and we talk about that, and it, and it, it, it is uh, it is a um, it is a great feeling of of, of being able to uh, be friends and 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 uh, talk about these things. You know, um, yeah. And, and well, and, and Vito Vito's an interesting case in that he's you know he's done it, and he's like, yeah, I, I just I don't I don't play anymore. It's not what I do. I mean, I I feel like I've heard him interviewed, but I've also more often heard again going back to Eddie Trunk. I've heard him talk about like, yeah, I talk to Vito every once in a while. He's just he's he's happy. He doesn't he doesn't want to do it anymore. And I think that's the most honest thing you can do. You know, is when it's like, yeah, I'm just I'm just not feeling it anymore. You know, I don't I don't want to do it. I don't understand, and and you know. I find I find it, you know, when we saw it, I says, you know, Vito, I'm getting it. I understand where you're at. I understand where you're at. And 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 that's all that matters. You know, and now we have a friendship 
We did some great stuff together and we're friends, et cetera, et cetera. We can laugh about it. We can bitch a little about it and so on. So, <laughs> but overall we had our run and that's well, it. Yeah. Well, Mike Tramp, I, I have, uh, just uh, taking up uh, 90 minutes of your time. I could easily talk to you for another 90 minutes. And so maybe when you get to, you do get to touring and you're back in the States, maybe we'll have uh, time. You can carve out some studio time. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, I want to send people towards uh, MikeTramp.dk. And of course, second time around, you can find the album there. And uh, obviously you can get it wherever albums are sold. Uh, you know, and I, I assume there's, there's no real reason to talk about when you might tour because no one seems to know the answer. It's one day. Yes, I'll be out there again, but, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's too hard to figure out when it might be, you know? Yes. You got that right, man. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a big question. Well, uh, I've, uh, always in, enjoyed the work and, uh, I've always found you very interesting in an interview, but like uh, getting to talk to you for 90 minutes, uh, this is, uh, been so insightful and fascinating. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, it, was, it was great to get to know you and uh, I look forward to talking again before too long. Thanks, Christian. Appreciate it. All right. And again, that is Mike Tramp, the album second time around. MikeTramp.dk. Uh, that's all the time we have. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ChristianDMZ and, of course, the Blackcast at B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T, Blackcast.com. We will see you next time on The Blackcast. <laughs>